Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Robert Kingett. Robert, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you. Uh, Robert, who are you? I am a self-described gay blind journalist in Chicago um, who's actually done a lot of things. <laughs> um, I, um, I, I, I run quite a bit of advocacy campaigns and groups. I, um, I host a YouTube channel that focuses on video game accessibility and uh, and I write a bunch of articles for a bunch of magazines and newspapers and everything and uh, lastly I'm an author so yay (laughs) (laughs) so how did you get involved in advocacy that actually started way back when I was in high school Um, I I didn't know that I was such a, I don't want to be too pedantic, but uh, a lot of people were saying, well, you're a natural leader, you're a natural mover and a natural shaker. And I literally had no idea what that meant. I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice to say, but you know, I don't feel like Superman or anything. So, so, um, a lot of people said it, but it never actually hit home uh, until I created the first ever school newspaper at the Florida School for the Deaf and the Blind. Um, in my school, you had the deaf department and you had the blind department. So. Um, I really love um, writing and the media and the press and anything that goes along with it, including legislations and everything. So so, um, one day after school, um, I noticed that the deaf kids had a newspaper and I was like, well, why doesn't the blind department have one? So, um, and, and apparently no one had ever thought to, to even try to make it happen before. So I, um, so I, I brought it up to the, administration, they said, well, well, quite frankly, it's a great idea, but there's not going to be enough interest. I said, oh, yeah. So, um, and, um, and so I got a bunch of people together and, and we, uh, we negotiated with the administration to stay after school to supervise us and everything of that nature. So um, it took a lot of work. Um, and 
after everything was all said and done, everybody's like, wow, you've created the, the first ever uh, newspaper in the blind department. You're really an advocate. So, so I thought, well, yeah, I, I guess I am, <laughs> you know, so that, um, so that transitioned into adulthood where, where, uh, where I just really have a big mouth and I don't know when to shut up. So, <laughs> um, so I speak up for any transgressions I'm noticing or, um, or, or things that really should happen because it's a 21st century, the technology is here. It's just no one is, is trying to do it. So that's where my advocacy uh, came into play. So It's interesting to me that nobody had attempted this before. Do you know why that is? Like, was that his- history explained to you at all? No, that wasn't explained to me um, at all. I just assumed that, okay, well, um, the department was so small that uh, that news was kind of like the gossip mill. So, and I think everybody was comfortable with that but i i on the other hand was like well well why isn't there news about new staff members coming in why isn't there news about uh say um the global games that our team is having why isn't there news about um about new adaptive uh us sports and tournaments at our school. Everything was kind of through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And I guess, and so I guess everything, so I guess everybody was just okay with that kind of thinking, I guess. So, uh, so to be honest, I I don't have a good answer for that. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Um, so before we started recording, you told me um, in in Skype um, that you used to be pro Gamergate, um, which yes. is something that we've talked about on the show quite a bit, um, less so recently. Um, and I've kind of, you know, I scrolled through your Twitter feed and I kind of see things where you're tweeting pro Gamergate things and kind of things retweeting like Anita Sarkeesian and other people who are um, who are very vocally opposed to Gamergate and who have been um, targeted by by members of Gamergate. So um, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, um, first of all, I I strongly 
disagree with the notion that, well, this site over here is is completely correct in everything, and that site over there is is wrong about everything. Mm-hmm. So I um, so I encourage people uh, to look at everything. Um, just look at everything, and even look at. Uh, opinions that you don't like and opinions that you don't agree with. Uh, my history with Gamergate, I was never like, quote unquote, an East celeb in the Gamergate uh, circles or anything like that. I, I first heard about it after coming off, uh, coming back online after a month off the grid. And, um, and so I heard about it and, and I thought, well, okay, cool. Here's an advocacy group that is about journalistic ethics and is about anti-censorship. That is one thing that I absolutely uh, I absolutely love it is the idea th- that a group is out there or um, or what I thought was out there at the time. Um, here's a group that that is fighting for anti-censorship and journalistic ethics and um, and 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 so I thought, okay, yeah, I will totally support this group of people because I, as a journalist myself, I hate the thought of censorship and anything of the sort. I also love the idea of of journalistic ethics being enforced more often. But um, I got into Gamergate and I've been quietly watching everything. You know, if if you're not actively participating participating in something, you see a lot of things happening. And, and, um, and the few times I spoke up about a lot of the changes that were happening, uh, one of them was, um, was about uh, leaning away from journalistic ethics and more against this uh, I hate using this term, but it's what they say. So um, they were leaning more towards the anti, uh, quote unquote, social justice warrior crowd, mm-hmm. and. Um, and and I was 
kind of like, well, you know, you guys, maybe you guys really don't know what constitutes censorship. And maybe you guys don't know what constitutes a journalistic violation. Because I was looking at a lot of things. um, And I've taken media training, media classes. I've done, you know, everything (laughs) Um, as far as training goes. So it, um, so I was noticing that, okay, well, here's a large group of people who just seem to be really, really, really intent on a few, a few women in the industry, some of which who are not even journalists at Mm -hmm. all, uh, such as uh, Brianna Wu um, and, uh, and let's see. um, Zoe Quinn. Yeah, yeah, Zoe Quinn, Randy Harper, except they kept coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up. And then if you called them out on it, they're like, well, well, they're not relevant anymore. They're kind of a joke. I'm like, okay, but you guys are talking about her. So, so obviously there's a little bit of irony here that you guys are just not seeing. And every time I'd say something like that, um, everybody was kind of like, well, you're not really a gamer gator then. You're not like an e-celeb. You're not anything. So why should anybody listen to you? Mm -hmm. So I... So I tried to say, well, even though I'm, I'm not I'm not an influential person, you might want to try to listen to everybody because even the smallest light can shine really bright in a dark room. So um, so to try to cut this a bit short, as um, as the year continued it morphed away from journalistic ethics into uh into this anti uh anti progressive movement and um and 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 they used the journalistic ethics card to um as kind of like a shield to say you know to say like to a needed Sarkeesian, hey, you're an idiot, um, mm-hmm. and and that you can have your own opinion. You can s- certainly think that she is an idiot and she doesn't know what she's talking about. However, it's a totally different thing when you tweet her that several times a day, like like. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're, it's just constant. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no, like so. So I saw this happening, and and I was kind of like, okay, well, th- this isn't what I signed up for. Um, and and now, 
uh, now I would actually be called, quote unquote, a social justice warrior. Um, <laughs> um, I saw a thread in Kotakonakshin the other day, um, and it was actually talking about me. Um, and, and they're like, well, is a social justice warrior working at a tech raptor? Because uh, I wrote about video game accessibility. Uh, so, um, which also a, another thing too, uh, coming from someone who has watched Gamergate closely over the years, um, I, I encourage, you know, I, like if you have a disagreement, I encourage anybody to try to approach the, the person that they have a disagreement with and say, hey, you and I have a difference of opinion, so let's learn where our differences of opinion are, are coming from, and, and then let's try to, try, to, try to see a common ground in our differences of opinion. The only thing with Gamergate is that everyone in Gamergate is just so angry mm -hmm. all, all the time. 24 7 so you can't so how can you have a dialogue with angry people who are just angry all the time well and it, it started out in anger like it was born from anger it started when zoe quinn's ex-boyfriend wrote a blog post about um how angry he was because he I don't, I don't even know. Like he, he said he, she cheated on him with a journalist and that's how the ethics and journalism thing kind of got folded into it as righteous anger. And, um, I don't know. I remember saying a year ago, like, sure. Journalistic integrity is something that we should all be concerned about. Um, it's something, you know, that's, that, that is important and is, um, especially, you know, I think even more so now than a year ago, I think that there are things that we're dealing with in the wake of, um, of all of, all of the terrorism that is coming, yeah. you know, closer and closer to, you know, home, you know, as it affects the Western world more suddenly in the U S we're more concerned about it. Um, and, and I think that, you know, journalists are one of the legs that we need, that traditionally we prop ourselves upon to to make sure that we're we're informed accurately yeah and um that's that's definitely definitely important but like this whole this this i'm i'm about to curse <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna hear you're gonna hear the bleeping sound this bullshit about how um how it's about ethics in gaming journalism is it was just like this hasty excuse to cover up the real problem, which was some guy felt jilted and got mad and wrote a blog post. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I actually read through that whole entire thing. I, I read it end to end, and 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 I was kind of like, well, honestly, you know, I 
for one thing, why is this even up on the internet? Um, <laughs> and um, and um, I'm actually really surprised that she has not tried to sue him for slander. Um, cause, uh, cause I would classify it as a, a slander. A lot of lawyers would disagree, but, you know, there's only, um, if, um, it, it's not helping your cause if you say that you're about one thing and then if you look at everything that's posted, if you look at the views and opinions, um, here's what really um, kind of annoys me is that uh, gamer gators will say that, well, the strength of our movement is 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 that there's no individual person that is like a PR representative for for Gamergate. Mm -hmm. So so if someone says something that is uh, rational or uh, or level headed, then Gamergaters can immediately latch on and say, "Yeah, he's on our side." And yet, yet, if if you harass someone, it's it's equally easy to say, "Well, no, he's not a gamergator." So that straw man, that um, logical fallacy, uh, it it might work for a while, and and then it it just kind of people do have a brain and, and they're not, you know, idiots. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so, so they'll see right through it. And, and, um, and also, um, if you got the New York times and the Washington post and NPR, if you have all these media outlets saying that you're not actually about ethics and journalism, and then you say, well, the, media is not doing their job that seems a little bit suspicious to me because there's no way that all of these high profile journalists could screw up so 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 cosmically you mm -hmm. know there's just no way. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so now, my opinion of Gamergate is that, um, quite honestly, um, if you are a consumer, you should s s support the creators that that you think are ethical and not a group of individuals if 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 you think that that Anita Sarkeesian has great content then you really ought to s s support her and screw 
what everybody else says. If you if if you think that depression quest is a terrible game, then 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 then, then quietly and calmly go about your day and and just say I don't like the depression quest and then move on. So it, it it's so easy. Like <laughs> So you're in favor of a more measured approach then. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I think totally. and I think that that um most people agree with that, you know, it's not people aren't against you critiquing their work or um even occasionally their actions, especially as you become um, you know, more prominent. That's, you know, that's kind of a thing that happens, but it's a lot of it is the way in which you approach it. There's a big difference between saying, you know, um, depression quest um, is not a game for me. And here are the reasons why, as opposed to like depression quest is the worst game ever. It's not even a game. It's a twine, you know, text thing. (laughs) And, you know, it's, um, that's um they're they're completely different approaches right like nobody loves everything 100 percent no of course that's not a thing and this is something i still think about a lot i started thinking about this in my early 20s was um the the movie that i hate the most Mm -hmm. is a movie someone out there that is their favorite movie someone Uh, out uh, there yeah yeah. it is their favorite movie and i'm like oh (laughs) You know, and I think about that with all sorts of things. Like, I really, really don't like this, but out there, somewhere out there, someone loves whatever this thing is. Prometheus. I hate the movie Prometheus. I think it yeah. is awful, awful yeah. for so many reasons. And I know so many people who like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that that's a prime example. Uh, now, I have a question for you, actually. Sure. Um, going into journalist mode here um (laughs) um, a lot of game gators say that anita sarkeesian is you know and others like her say that she is quote-unquote a professional victim because she takes all these mean tweets and 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 letters and everything and she post some online. What is your reply to that? Because I have a good reply You to have that, a good reply to that? Yes. Yeah, I do have a good reply to that. Well, I guess <laughs> I would say that um, in a way that's what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm helping people talk about, you know, the amazing things that happen to them, but sometimes, or the amazing things they do, but sometimes we're talking about the crappy things that happen to people and, and the bad things that they've done. And, um, I think that the only way we get better as a society, and this is something I say a lot, the only thing we get better, the only way we get better and destigmatize things and and help things stop talking is by talking about them. So if people aren't aware of the abuse that Anita is receiving, that Brianna Wu is receiving, that Zoe Quinn is receiving, then there's nothing like there's no way we can stop it. If they just keep that to themselves, you know, 
then that's where it ends. And that is not an acceptable thing to me. I think that we need, you know, it's my same philosophy with talking about depression and anxiety and ADHD and autism. And a lot of the topics yeah. that we've talked about is these are stigmatized things in our society right now. And they really shouldn't be. The only way we make that better is by discussing them and saying, Hey, look, this isn't the awful thing that you think it is. It's just a thing. Now, in this case, this is an awful thing. Like this abuse, this harassment, this is awful. And yeah. I know, that some people, um, more prominent people on the Gamergate side have received harassment. It is equally awful that they have, and that yeah. absolutely needs to be discussed, and we absolutely need to condemn it. And that is, you know, I don't think Anita Sarkeesian is a victim. I think that this is a, not a professional victim. I think this is hard work. I think that it makes her even further a target, and I really admire that she's willing to stand up in the face of the storm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and and my reply, to be honest, it, it's not going to be as eloquent. It'll be tongue-in-cheek, so... Oh, I like tongue-in-cheek, though. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so, so my reply is, if you are mad about her posting nasty tweets, then quit tweeting nasty things you know you right you, yep. you, you 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 get what you sow so 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 you've made your bed so now you have to lay in it mm -hmm. that's the thing so yeah. <laughs> like um like the other day actually i um um i was talking about um Video game accessibility, uh, and and someone, uh, and 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 someone had written me a extremely nasty email. Um, I'm going to swear, so uh, um, they're like, "Well, you're just a kid uh, who thinks that the." video game industry should cater to you because you have a disability and everything and that's just not how the real world works. So I, I'm quite a smart to be honest. So I, so, so I replied and said, okay, how would you feel if I posted your email on my blog for everybody to see. You can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, well, actually I can because you sent me the email. It is in my inbox. So, so I'll just let you th think about that. <laughs> so it, um, so I, I admit, um, I, um, my idea of Harassment might actually be a bit uh, more rough and tough than someone else's idea of harassment, but harassment is harassment, even if it's small scale or, or large scale. And um, and so so do I necessarily agree with uh, them posting everything online? Uh, yes and no. Um, like I said 
before you made your bed, so you have to play in it, even if you don't like it. Um, I, I also think that you should try to go to the police um, before you go to the media. Um, so that's just my own two cents. Well, the trouble with that is that um, for for online harassment, like the the stuff that's happening over Twitter or email or you know Facebook or whatever, is that nobody knows whose jurisdiction it is. And True. so, you know, I know that that people have gone to their local police departments and said, hey, look at what's happening to me. And, you know, the police department just kind of shrugs. You know, I know that, um, you know, with swatting, you know, people, uh, harassers calling in false reports of, um, you know, people with guns in their houses threatening people, you know getting SWAT teams into people's houses. You know, I, I have known of people who have called their police department, like, Hey, I'm being targeted and you know, you might get this call and definitely come to my house, but just please be aware that this is a tactic tactic that people use and police departments aren't aware of the practice of SWATting. And, um, and, and there's this huge gulf between what happens digitally from faceless entities and what actually is actionable, um, both by policy and by, um, you know, like actually doing it in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I admit, um, I, I thought that the police was more equipped to handle things like this. Um, I, um, I, I'm just now learning, um, that the police aren't as equipped as I thought they were. Yeah. So, so it's it it it's a huge eye opener for me as a journalist because I'm like, oh well, this actually would make a really interesting like uh, news angle or or some of that nature, you know. But like as a consumer and as uh, as a minority um i i grew up in an abusive home so that um so uh so my uh see i i'm not sure how to say this uh my uh my um my threat tolerance is a lot higher uh than uh than some other people, uh, but you know, a threat is a threat. Just because I'm the kind of person who who says, "Okay, well, if you are going to threaten me over the internet, then why don't you sh- show up at my house?" I mean, I have a base ball bat right here. You know, mm. I. I I know that um, not everybody's going to be like that, so I totally, I totally understand that uh, that is a huge threat to someone who has never, ever, ever, ever received any kind of harassment or anything of that nature. And and to be honest with you, I um, I thought that 
um, I thought that the police were more equipped yeah. to handle this. <laughs> They're not. And, you know, there have been instances where um, I know people have shown up at um, the workplaces of, of, you know, people they've targeted. And um, I haven't heard of anyone, you know, showing up at someone's home yet, but I've, I've definitely heard, and, and it's terrifying, you know, you see, you see this avatar come to life in front of you. And um, that would be, that would be terrifying. And yeah, the the police, the police are not equipped. We're finally getting to a point where there are some, you know, some people are being convicted of, um, you know, of harassment and that kind of thing. But it's very, I think I've heard of two cases um, in over a year. Um, So it's, it's, just, I mean, yeah, definitely gather up evidence, go to the police, file a report, but I don't know how much good it does. Where do you think, like, all this anger is coming from? Because, like, I um, I know I keep harking back to, I mean, my articles, but <laughs> I, um, I, I wrote an article about... Um, playing the blood ring demo and and yeah i admit the the um the the article kind of had the tone like you really should make this successful because it should be done so i I apologize if the tone came off as um, as as a bit demanding, mm-hmm. and, and and yet at the same time, it's like, well, I um, at the same time, I'm I'm not sorry for for saying anything I said in the article. I talked at length about uh, me cycling through the options and not seeing any accessibility options. Uh, and uh, I tried to put self-deprecating humor in there, but um, uh, but everybody thought I was just angry mm-hmm. at the video game industry. So, so I, um, so I received a flood of emails that are like, you sound like an entitled Lord, I'm like, <laughs> all right, okay, let's throw down then. Uh, <laughs> I, I so anger upon anger upon anger upon anger. It's like it. It's kind of like, well, why? Why is there so much anger? Like, why? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I th- I think people feel threatened. Um, I think, I think that, you know, there's, there's a stereotype of what a gamer is. Right. And, and it's right, you know, and, and I can say that and people, you know, you think, um, I think up until recently, I think that this is being dispelled as a myth, but until very recently, most people thought of, you know, Doritos and Mountain Dew and marathons in a basement and, um, 
you know, that's, that is untrue. We, we know it's untrue, but, but there are people who fit into that and who found gaming because it was welcoming to them and it's a place where they felt safe. And um, I think that games are such a powerful storytelling medium. Oh yes, Because, you know, you've got, um, you have, it, it, it's got so many elements, right? It's, it's beyond a movie. Yeah. It's, it's an immersive experience where you're in the shoes generally of some kind of protagonist. you know, it might be a box, it might be a human, it might be an, el- a, a, an animal or whatever, but, but you a- are putting yourself in someone else's shoes and, and playing from someone else's perspective. And it's so intensely personal and powerful, and I think that um, I think that that's something that people want to protect. You know, they don't want that to change. They want it to remain their personal experience. And um, so you've got people like me coming in and I'm like, well, hey, you know, all of these characters are white. Why are they all white? Why can't we have, you know, some some people of various ethnicities in there? And, you know, why aren't there women? Why is the protagonist always a guy? Um, yeah. You know, and and people are like, but this is how it's always been. And I can see myself. I'm a white guy. I don't see a problem with having a white guy in the video game. And it's like, well, it's not necessarily that you can have your games with white guys, but we can have games with other types of people too. And I think that that just feels really threatening. Like the thing that they love is going to go away if, you know, if something else comes in, instead of thinking of it as an expansive thing, like you're going to have even more games to choose from and more types of games to choose from, they feel like it's being taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Like one thing I've always heard a game creators say is that, you know, um, you should really take what is in the game and just enjoyed the game. I uh, um, I I agree with that. Um, except I I I totally think there sh- should to be more diversity, even if even if it it it's not the first thought that comes into my head if I choose a character or 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 anything of that nature like it it's just not a big issue to uh, to me as others and uh, and and no matter if a game has a diverse cast of characters or not i will enjoy uh or what the the game has to offer uh what i do not agree with is that pushing for more Diversity will somehow censor the games that are out there. Like, like if I think of video game, I think of choices. You know, there's so many kinds of games out there. How can anything be s- censored in the area of, of video games? So, yeah, I. I just think, I think people feel threatened, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm looking at it differently. You know, I'm thinking, oh, imagine all of the different types of video games we would have if yeah. we had so many different perspectives, you know, to approach because the, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, totally. 
the scruffy white dude that scruffy straight white dude you know that gets kind of old there are only so many ways scruffy straight white dudes look at the world and you know you take someone from a different socioeconomic background or someone who's you know who has different um abilities or disabilities and you put them in and it it changes what we can do and i think that's magic and i really want to explore it more oh yeah yeah totally i totally agree like uh like um like one thing that i um that i love about video games as a whole is um is the stories and the characters and the dialogue and things uh compared to movies and things i think uh video games have the better uh stories hands down Mm -hmm. um i just think that even a non-gamer even a person who does not play video games could watch a let's play a a final fantasy and see the story unfold and even if they don't like or they don't play video games they could come to me and said, hey, you know, that was a really sad ending or or, or that video game had moving characters in it. So I, um, um, so I, uh, uh, so I have trouble understanding where all this, all this, all this, oh my God, they're trying to censor our, Video games is coming from. Do you know how many developers are out there who have so much independent platforms and everything? Um, also, um, just as a small aside, um, I learned that a lot of people who s- say that only play a certain kind of video game Mm -hmm. like i'm a critic so i play everything from uh from puzzle games to tuning games to racing games so i see so many more games than they have um and 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 i think it's kind of sad to be honest with you because there's so much great and material out there you just gotta try it (laughs) yeah yeah and you know i've been thinking a little bit about um critic being critical of 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 anything you know games or videos or books or whatever and um you know one of my favorite things to do as a nerd is pick things apart even if i love them right you know i one of my favorite podcasts um is the incomparable and um I, I'm on some shows on the Incomparable Network from time to time, I guess I should disclose. But, um, you know, I've been a listener of the Incomparable since, I don't know, 2011, 2010, like forever. And they they talk about these things that they love, but it's like they still can find faults in it. And they can still yeah. say, I really love Star Wars, but 
midichlorians are ridiculous or you know like <laughs> yeah yeah you know they're well the prequels we won't talk about the prequels anyway <laughs> that's another discussion I'll avoid the prequels i know avoid all costs. <laughs> i had so much hope for them but um you know there's even I don't know. Like, that's how things get better. That's how I think about my actions. I pick my actions apart. And I think I do this maybe to the extreme. And I think, okay, well, how could I have handled that better? What can I learn from this thing? You know, what do I need to do differently in the future? What did I do really well? And I don't know. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with having a critical eye for things. Do you? No, no, not at all. No, not at all. And and, and here's the thing that that I've also noticed as well. Um, a lot of people will, um, I get a ton of emails. So a lot of people will, they will have read a review I did like two years ago or something. And, and they'll try to say like, well, you're an unethical journalist cause you didn't play through the whole entire game and that it, I, and, and I'm like, well, I said that in the review, like, like I said that in the review. So it is a complete review. Um, and, and you can t- take out of it what you want to take out of it. If, if, um, if, if you don't want to take anything out of it, then, then don't take anything out of it, except at the same time, don't try to say that I'm an unethical journalist. Because I have a different opinion than you do, mm-hmm. so <laughs> so that's I I just think that a lot of people are forgetting what opinions are nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, would you agree? Um, yeah, I I don't hmm, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I've mm. I feel like. Um, I feel like it's a lot easier now to find like-minded people. Uh-huh. And maybe that means that sometimes we're stuck in the echo chamber. Um oh. that you know we we forget how to disagree productively. Right. I don't know. Um and and I think oh. that there's always like if you feel strongly enough to write to somebody because you disagree with their opinion, like you feel really strongly about that, right? So yeah. I think that you've got kind of a self-selection process happening there too. Like the people who are like, "Well, yeah, it's this this guy's opinion whatever. It's I disagree, but whatever." You know, they they're not going to write to you. You know, it's no. the people who very strongly <laughs> feel uh, you know, opposed to what to what you feel that are yeah. the ones who are responding. So I don't know, maybe for every email you get, there are 700 you don't, you know? I guess. I mean, I don't know. But so that's, and, and that's totally fine. You know, I, um, I actually encourage uh, people to say, well, uh, here's my point of view on it, you know, um, I here here's why my opinion is different from your opinion. Um, it I I certainly do not agree with baseless accusations, like at all. <laughs> you 
you know, right. if, 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 if you were going to call a person, uh, let's use a Nita Sarkeesian. If, if you're going to call her a fraud, then you need to make sure that you have proof, uh, not, not just a few random things thrown in there mixed in with really, really, really solid opinions. You need to have uh, proof mm-hmm. that actually say, yes, this individual, this uh, if feminist frequency either is in fact a fraud or is not. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, personally think that she's not a fraud, even though I don't agree with her opinion. I just, I, I, it's just, it's just like, wow. (laughs) That's just, and, and, um, and, and like, I've written a book actually called Off the Grid. And, and it is a book um, that, that, Chronicles my journey offline uh, as a blind individual for a month, uh, and one thing I've noticed is is that um, people who are connected all the time um, they tend to subconsciously migrate to their own little echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Like if it's Twitter or uh, or or anything of that nature, they don't know that they're creating an echo chamber. They 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 see them as supporters or followers, but other people might see them as echo chambers. And uh, and and um, and my month off the grid. Um, has really taught me the value of opinions and uh, and how to listen to them too. I I learned a lot about listening to people because uh, when you're on the internet and and you're looking at a tweet, you're already thinking about the reply. Because uh, because you can see the uh, text ahead, so you're thinking about the reply. But uh, for, for me, as an as a person who, uh, who went a whole month without using internet and, and talking to people and everything, I, um, I learned that, that I, I kind of did it also. I would try to predict how others would reply so I could send a reply to them, so uh, so being offline um, has really taught me a lot about uh, a lot about humans and a lot about 
psychology and a lot about uh, just listening mm-hmm. <laughs> to people. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, I there's a reason I spend more time on Twitter than I do Facebook, and it's because the people I follow on Twitter are the ones I agree with. The yeah. the people on yeah. Facebook are you know, kind of the, the people I don't agree with the ones yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. you know, my, my rule is I don't, I don't have really have many Facebook friends that I've never met in real life that I don't know, you know, on a personal level. And for the most yeah. part, they're like conservative Christian people. And it's, <laughs> it's very at odds with, with my philosophies. And yeah, I think that we definitely, we surround, you know, birds of a feather flock together. We surround ourselves with the things and the people that we agree with. Yeah. And like, like a lot of people are like, well, why are you watching feminist frequencies videos if you don't agree with her? I'm like, well, cause I'm actually learning a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't always <laughs> agree with what Anita Sarkeesian says, but I do always appreciate her perspective. Yeah. And Yeah. yeah. I agree. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for those who are curious, um, I um, I took up a dare uh, last year when the whole net neutrality thing was happening. Um, so I took up a dare by my best friend Marcus, who is in incredibly cute um <laughs> uh, uh he um he um he and i were, were sitting in a park and he and i were talking about net neutrality um and and he had this idea like hey you know um why don't you try and experiment? I'm like, okay, I'm a journalist. I like this idea, so let's hear it. And and he said, well, why don't you go off the grid for a month and keep a journal? And you can't use any internet at all, even in the library or in the schools or 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 on your cell phone, you can't use any internet at all. I'm like, well, that is going to be impossible because my job requires internet. Everything I do requires internet because I have a disability. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he said, exactly. I want to see how you adapt, uh, as a disabled individual, not using any internet. So I said, okay, well, I can, I can do this, I think. <laughs> I mean, to, to be honest, I thought I wasn't going to be able to be able to. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that, okay, this is going to be too much for me. I am going to go insane. Uh, <laughs> so, um, except at the end of the month, I sent him the journal and everything, and he's like, well, you know, this would make a really great audiobook. I'm like, no, it would. Yeah, it would. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, um, so I thought, hey, I'll just 
publish it. Um, it granted, it's not like this epic sci-fi adventure, but um, <laughs> um, it, it um, it's kind of like a s s social experiment. You know, I'm I'm not a philosopher um, by any means. I'm not like a historian. I'm not you know anything of that nature but i do think that that um a month offline has taught me a lot of things about human interaction and about connections and about employment like one time um i applied for a job and and the interviewer is like well well, um, it was towards the end of the interview, and it was for a newspaper here in Chicago that's quite large. So I, um, so, so he said, "Well, your clips and everything are amazing, but, uh, but you said that you don't have internet." I'm like, "Well." Well, no, I don't have internet. Um, um, you know, that was the condition. You know, if anybody asked, I I was to say that no, I don't have internet at all. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so, so he said, well, then how then how are you going to work here if you? You don't have internet. I'm like, well, you do have a fax machine, right? Like you could send me a fax and everything. Well, sir, you need the internet to apply here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure how to hire you because you don't have the internet. You need email to communicate with. So can't you go down to a library and use the computer? I'm like, well, well, uh, well, no, I can't because the library doesn't have, you know, doesn't have a available computers all the time. Mm -hmm. And and he um, and he said, okay, well, I um, if you had internet, I would hire you, but I'm not sure how to work with you, uh, not having any internet. Um, so it. So it's been very nice to meet you. I'm like, you too. <laughs> so, so that was a form of discrimination. I never, ever, ever would have even considered, like, never in my life, like, wow. <laughs> like, you have to have internet to apply here. And if you don't have internet, then wow. I'm, right. I'm, I'm sure that no one... I'm sure that very few individuals have even thought of that. Like, I've never even thought of it. And after it happened, I I I wrote in, in my diary like for those uh, extremely low income individuals who simply can't afford internet, then how are they going to apply for a job? How are they going 
to get work. Because uh, companies and everything say no, no faxes or, or no calls about this job. You have to send an email or you have to send a resume in online. So if you can't afford internet, then 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 you can apply for this or that job. So that's a form of discrimination. Mm-hmm. So I just I I just found it incredibly fascinating because I grew up on the internet. So <laughs> so so to a lot of older people, they're like, well, yeah, that's how it was in like 1989. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so why is this so news to you now? But it's news to me and probably to other people my age because everything is is moving to an internet centric hub. Mm-hmm. So if you can't afford internet, then you're literally cut off from from society. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard problem to solve. I have a friend who's, um, trying to use scrap parts to create inexpensive computers um, for low income people, but then the barrier is like, okay, so you spend say $50 putting this computer together with the new hard drive since hard drives are so prone to failure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you get it to someone, you find an old CRT monitor and give it to somebody. And then, you know, what happens? Can they afford, I don't even know for, you know, the, the less expensive internet options. I don't know what they go for nowadays, even 10, $20, 10, 20, $30 a month is extremely difficult for, for some people to afford. And yeah, it's a huge, yeah. huge barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Like, like, so, and, and my book highlights a lot of that. Like, like I'm actually quite s- s- surprised at all the things I've highlighted, like, like, Oh, Hey, I, I had no idea that I wrote about this issue or that issue or this issue. <laughs> and so, uh, so, um, call me crazy, but even now, like I, I will go back and, and listen to my own audiobook and go, wow. Like, <laughs> so it, um, so I, um, so to be honest, um, I am super happy that I've I've taken up this experiment, uh, and and now that Marcus knows that that he is in a book, uh, he um, he's like, oh, you have to do a sequel now. I'm like a sequel, and he's like, yeah, go for one year and not use the internet. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, like, wow. Uh, um, I, 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 I don't think you and y- you in a book about a year offline would be very tantalizing to some readers. Cause I, cause I, cause, cause like, I, I don't think many readers are, um, are 
are uh, are um, are curious about your good looks because he's like, oh, and and you can put me in it and <laughs> describe how handsome I am. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, sorry, honey, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but nah, no. So, uh, <laughs> um, however, though, I am working um, on quite a bit of other projects. Um, one of them is a young adult fiction novel, um, and the other um, is a another memoir that talks about my uh, child abuse and and my high school years and how I've overcome um, the abuse and everything and and how I've uh, and how I've managed to uh, to go from sort of rags to well, not riches but lower mid well lower middle class mm-hmm. I guess you could say so <laughs> like like I have my own apartment uh, now I um, I um, I I am a freelancer so I joke all the time like yeah my full-time job is looking for a full time job so that's a lot of work yeah it is honestly it is so it <laughs> um I um I um although a lot of good things are happening um in in me and consulting actually um the 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 Fulbright company who made a gone home um I am in talk with them and uh and um and so now I am a consultant for for the Fulbright company so I'm like yay it's totally awesome so so um to plug myself I do have a patreon also um do you want to give that out at the end of the show yeah or you can you can say tell it now and I will say it again at the end okay sure um it's patreon.com slash blind writer okay okay yay (laughs) well we are um actually we're over an hour now was there anything else you wanted to talk about today (laughs) Um, I, um, I just have a few words of wisdom for anybody, um, to be honest with you. Um, if you, um, if you think that a journalist or a publication is ethical, then you as an individual should really, really, really share their articles or or donate to them via uh, um, PayPal or 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 just support them instead of getting angry at um, at 
the people who you don't like because money talks. So if if you don't like, uh, let's say the New York Times, then quit subscribing to them. Mm. It's it, it's really that simple, but. It, it it just hasn't sunk in yet for a lot of people. So I <laughs> so so I just felt like I had to say that. Also, um, for any other advocates out there, um, if someone calls you a professional victim or 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 not a true advocate. You can look them in the eye and quite frankly say, well, I'm actually doing more than you are doing. I mean, all you are doing is just leaving comments on my blog. I'm actually calling people and and going to conferences and everything like this. So, I mean, if people want to complain, they kind of have to you know, talk the talk also. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just my opinion. I continue to, to fight for what you believe in. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise because um, I... To the end of the day, they're not making change. You are. Yep. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, everyone, you can find Robert on Twitter at The Blind Writer um, or his website, blindjournalist.wordpress.com. And again, his Patreon is patreon.com slash the blind writer. And you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would be wonderful if you'd leave a review or star rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for less than or equal. <laughs> <laughs>